Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places about fly fishing in Ireland. Now this week's episode is a short one as I speak to renowned fishery scientist Ken Whelan about a forthcoming webinar from himself and Jason O'Riordan on dry fly and night tactics for sea trout fishing that is being run this Friday, June 5th. Ken and Jason's courses have proven to be very popular the last few years and with the current COVID restrictions they've had to move online for the time being. Courses are free, but you have to register in advance by sending an email to ken at kenwhelan.info. And I asked Ken for more information about the webinar, as well as his own love of sea trout fishing. Jason and I have been running um, angling courses now for about five or six years, and they're becoming increasingly popular. So we cover trout and salmon, but um, the two that are really beginning to score are the ones in relation to estuaries and seas. So both the sea trout and bass Uh, courses that we were running have proven very popular. So we had a whole series of uh, interesting courses, I hope, planned for this year. But obviously, COVID-19 put a stop to that. Um, We'd also been playing around for quite some time about incorporating more video and more online material in terms of the courses and trying to see how we could do some stuff in the winter. So we were more or less uh, catapulted into a situation where we decided to give this a go and to see could we amalgamate both. So um, we picked on sea trout and bass to start with and out of that we got very good feedback in terms of the sea trout in particular. So we have now done, uh, as you say, we've done two, we're on a third. So this one is sea trout alone and we're going to be looking at two strange uh, ways of catching sea trout in an Irish context. Um, Dry fly fishing for sea trout is not well known but it's something that works very well in our big rivers here in Ireland. And secondly, night fishing for sea trout, as they do it in Wales and so on, is really not that widely practiced in Ireland. So we thought we might concentrate on those two two aspects. But certainly, as I say, it's proving very popular. I suppose the beauty of the webinar series is that it must be an international audience now as well, is it? That people can, you know, can join in and if they want to get more information, you know, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be from Ireland. Um, unlike myself, normally, I, I, we were a bit conservative in terms of the way we ran the first two, in that we limited it to about 20 people so that if we made a total mess of it, we wouldn't be too embarrassed. Um, actually, that was very, very beneficial because we got some very good personal feedback from individuals uh, in terms of what worked and what didn't. So this one, then we've switched over to a much wider audience, if you like. So we've about 30 plus people registered now, and we have people from Scotland. We have people from the UK, people from Wales, and people from Ireland, North and South. So yes, it is becoming a sort of international audience, I think. And um, also in addition to the angling series, I also run a lot of courses uh, dealing with watercraft, which links in directly with the anglers. So again, this gives me a really good opportunity to see what what might work in terms of the watercraft courses. And that's something that I'll be rolling out in the next month or so. Obviously, you can't be being there in terms of being on the river or, you know, actually demonstrating to people the tactics. Um, but this is the new norm in many ways. And and I suppose, like you said, you can, you can put more information across to people in a different way. Yeah, I think that's the beauty of it. And also um, what we love about it is the instant feedback in that um, the routine that we normally follow is we use a PowerPoint type approach, which I've done some some work webinars in the past and the PowerPoint seem to work very well. So we do quite simple PowerPoint presentations. We do a voiceover on that. 
So perhaps in a show, I might do half, Jason might do a half, I would do the biological component, the behavior stuff, Jason would do the tactics, and then we leave it open to about 20 minutes of Q&A. And that has worked very well, and it's good fun, people relax into it. Um, they're actually, they feel much closer to you than they do in a room. Uh, you can slip back down, have a look at the slides, you can uh, focus in a bit in terms of looking at some of the flies or whatever. So it's a very intimate sort of relationship that you build up with your, with your audience, even though there might be a significant number of people uh, looking in. And as I say, given that Jason and I are far from experts in anything to do with IT or webinars or anything like that, uh, the more you do with this, I presume you find the same, though you are trained in this area, uh, the more comfortable you get with it. Uh, in terms of, of uh, it being a much more smooth operation than it would have been originally. Well, I, I think actually just on that, Ken, I think it's incredible how quickly we've all adapted as a society uh, in terms of using the likes of Zoom and webinars and online technology that it's amazing in a couple of weeks, it's now just become second nature for people. Like Whereas before people would have balked at the idea of a video conference or a video call or anything like that. So it is incredible. Like And you know, needs must, as they say. Absolutely. Well, just to say yesterday now, for example, example the big NASCO North Atlantic Salmon Conservation Organization their annual meeting now has been run online for obviously the very first time 105 people we had yesterday at a meeting for two and a half hours and it went seamlessly I thought that was extraordinary stuff we would never have believed that you could have run an important international meeting uh, with such ease and you sitting in your chair in your office it was great really good why do you think actually the interest in the kind of, for the courses, for people looking for information, for whether it's CBAS, C-Trout, why do you think, is it because it's such a kind of, maybe C-Trout particular, that it's it's very much a kind of, um, nearly like seen as dark arts nearly, is it, for trying to catch them? I think so. I think if you look back, and certainly in, in, in my long career as, a, as an angler, um, certainly C-Trout was always a little bit of an afterthought, except in the iconic area. So if you were on Loch Coran or whatever, uh, you were a sea trout angler, but it was mainly lock fishing. And we didn't really uh, do a lot of river fishing in terms of taking it as seriously as they would uh, as they would in Wales. And I think really my view is that what happened was that as people became more and more attracted to bass fishing, they suddenly realized that all year round, these beautiful silver trout were available in the ocean. And they got quite interested in them then. And that tended to build up this interest in the sea trout. And people are now beginning to look again at them in the context of fresh fish coming in, where can they be caught, what methods can we use and how can we approach it? And I think that's really where the, uh, where the hook has come from. And as uh, myself and Chris McCulley said some years ago now in our book, um, the regulation and management of sea trout in the ocean is screaming out to be properly, uh, to be properly tackled. And I'm quite concerned over some of the situations that have arisen in recent years with people catching large numbers of small sea trout in the ocean on bait and so on, not really understanding the consequences of what they're doing, possibly fish from very, very small populations. And we really have no rules governing these beautiful fish in the ocean. So um, I'm delighted to be able to use the webinar, not alone to teach people how to actually fish for these creatures, but to take an interest in their conservation and management for us and for our children and grandchildren to come. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Like you said, if, if anything, if at least awareness can come out of it, uh, then there's something good from it. Tell me this, how endangered are sea trout compared to Atlantic salmon? Like, do you, how, do you rate them in the same bracket or 
no, not at all. I don't think. Now, I don't have any, any. I don't think anyone does any, any great detailed uh, statistics in relation to C2. But my old feeling, feeling is, apart from the tragic loss of our stocks, where the aquaculture took place in the West, and those stocks are really gone, let me emphasize that, we have lost 10,000 years of evolution and everybody's scratching their head now and saying, oh, I wonder what that uh, Invermore uh, Lake was like in, in Galway or whatever. Um, that's tragic. That's unforgivable. Outside of that, they're actually doing quite well, I think. And uh, um, certainly they need more protection and they need more TLC. But the numbers of fish are actually quite significant, particularly when you see them feeding in the ocean. And the other thing we have learned is that the sea trout are coming not just from the fisheries that we would call sea trout fisheries, but every little tiny coastal stream is pumping out very special fish into the ocean. So what you're seeing in the ocean is actually a combination of all the big and small systems. And you tend to find much greater numbers of sea trout in bays in the ocean than you will in the individual, uh, in the individual rivers. Certainly we, um, through the Atlantic Salmon Trust, we funded some research work, which is just reported about a week ago in terms of a very fine scientific paper. And we funded a group in the south of England to look genetically at some of these small coastal streams. And it was extraordinary the proportion of them that actually have unique populations of fish in them. These are fish that reflect the actual original of the species that came in after the ice age. So from a biodiversity point of view, as well as an angling point of view, maintaining and retaining these particular little coastal streams is really important. I, I get the sense, Ken, the more I speak to you about sea trout and what you're finding out is it's there's so much more to be discovered nearly that we're only scratching the surface. Oh yes, there's no doubt about that. I, I, I mean, in the, in the 1990s, I did a film with Eamon de Butler, Lord Restum, called The Mysterious Sea Trout, and it really is the mysterious sea trout. They're also great little creatures to bounce back so if you give them any, any opportunity at all, they'll bounce back. And uh, I, I think that, uh, as I say, I think we need to start taking them seriously and uh, um, looking at them in the round, not just looking at them in the context of where they end up, which is in their spawning ground in the streams, but their, uh, their migration, their distribution, their feeding patterns. And the Celtic Sea Trout Programme that was run by IFA and colleagues in Wales and Scotland some years ago was exemplary where the anglers actually collected the scales. Uh, Willie Roach and his team went out to sea and found where the sea trout were actually feeding in the high seas, followed Irish sea trout up to the Soloway. So um, we're beginning to understand more about them. And they're a fascinating creature. And uh, certainly as a sport fish, they're unequaled. They're absolutely great fun. They're really good fish. And you have a particular graph for uh, estuary fishing for them, don't you? Yes, I do. I really like that. I mean, when I was young, I... Um, I used to go and stay for a full summer with my brother uh, down in my aunt's in Courttown down in Wexford. So the little streams down there, the Onavara and the Aher and so on, and all those coastal streams, we used to fish those estuaries all the time for flounders. We used to catch sea trout. We used to catch the odd bass, of course, using the humble worm to start with. But it gave us a fantastic introduction into them. And uh, that's what we'll be talking about on, on Friday night is the fact that even in these estuaries, dry fly fishing can be very effective. And people just don't really understand the behavior pattern of these fish and what they're about when they come in and what they might be mooching in on and feeding on. And uh, again, it gives, it, it gives you a whole new interesting area that you can experiment with as an angler. 
Yeah, hundred percent, and and also you know people will be itching to get out over the summer when the restrictions ease as well, and uh, you know like you said even low water conditions, um the tactics you're talk- going to be talking about uh, they're perfect for. I'm not going to delve into what you're going to get into because we're going to save that for people to to register. Can they still register? Uh, yes, uh, they can. So the the way to register is just to, I'll give you an email address now is to send me an email, and then what I'll do is collect all of the uh, email addresses then. Um, tomorrow morning or Thursday morning and send out a Zoom invite. So uh, people can register at Ken, uh, sorry, Ken at KenWhelan.info. Ken at KenWhelan.info. Perfect. And it'll probably last for about an hour. Is it half seven on Friday? Yeah. So uh, we're limited with Zoom to about 40 minutes, though, very kindly each time they've extended it for us. So we have it, we have it designed for 40 minutes, but normally the chat goes on for a bit longer than that. Yeah, so if people want to find out dry fly and night fishing tactics for sea trout, um, it's like I said, it's going to be a great way to kind of find out these kind of little use methods uh, for Irish waters. Uh, and you never know, you might pick up something new um, for over the summer. And like I said, if you can raise the awareness in terms of what the sea trout's all about as well, all the better. Just finally for yourself and Jason, you're going to be looking at um, running a couple more courses over the summer. Yeah, we're going to get back in action now, probably around uh, uh, June, July time. Certainly my watercraft courses will be back up and running definitely in July. Uh, maybe towards the end of June, July, we look at the um, we look at the angling courses and we'll probably split them in two. So we'll actually do part of the course online. So we make sure we can actually fulfill the dates that we actually promise. And secondly, then make a date to meet people then on the riverbank or on the seashore then after that to actually do the practical component. And then we know we're going to be able to deliver. I think otherwise we'll have to keep maybe changing dates and so on as conditions change. Yeah, well, look, fingers crossed, everything all goes well the next few weeks in terms of the restrictions as well. So uh, that people can get back out in the waters and we can practice social distancing and all that. Here, uh, here to that, no <laughs> doubt. Exactly. Ken, listen, thanks a million for taking the call. And um, as I said, for people to find out more, to send you an email uh, and also keep an eye out for future courses uh, as well over the summer. And uh, best of luck. And uh, we'll talk to you again, Ken. Thanks a million. Thanks very much, Dara. My thanks to Ken Whelan for joining me on this week's episode and you can send an email to ken at kenwhelan.info to register for this and future courses. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. You can also keep up to date on Instagram at IrelandOnTheFly as well as medium.com forward slash IrelandOnTheFly. And I'll be back next week with another episode covering the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland.